man, I'm just so thankful, thankful for you, church, thankful for our pastor and his heart for missions, and thankful for this opportunity to speak this morning. I'm just praying that God will use me. And so what I want to do before we begin is I want to pray. Would y'all let me pray for us before we go any further? Let's pray together. My Father, we are so thankful, thankful for all that you do. God, you are a God of miracles. You are a God who, who hears our pleas. You are the God who comes close in the middle of our trials and tribulations. God, you are a God who doesn't forsake us. You are a God that stands close you are a God who pursues us with intimacy. Lord, your, your goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And Lord, we thank you. Lord, we just want to, for a moment, just say thank you, God. And Lord, I'm praying that you would use me this morning, that you would uh, fill me. Lord, help me be poured out for this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's uh, go ahead and have a seat. Let's welcome our Fairview campus out there right now. Fairview, glad you're watching, glad you're with us. Uh, I, my prayer is that this is a, a message that will encourage, challenge, strengthen us in our journey. March 17th was a day that uh, everything changed for my family. So for just a little context, my wife had been sick for a little bit. She, she had a stomach virus, what we thought. She'd been throwing up for days. And so we decided that we needed to, she asked a friend of ours that's a, a, a nurse practitioner, and she said, you might need to go to the ER, you might need some fluids, go get checked out, they'll, they'll help you. So we went to uh, Coleman Regional, to ER, and, 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 and we thought she just had a stomach bug because she couldn't hold anything down for about four days now. And they did a blood test, and then they come back and they said, we're going to do another blood test. Um, the readings were... We're off. We just want to make sure we get in the right reading. So they took more blood and they decided to do another blood test. And they come back and they said, uh, we need to put you into a room. Um, you're, you're missing over half your blood. And, and, you know, this is the first time you're like, what? And then, and then you start looking at her and you notice that she is as white as a sheet. I mean, she is white. Everybody come in the room said, girl, you are just so white. You're so pale. And, and so they put us into a room. And the doctors came up and said, we're going to actually have to transfer you to UAB. And so uh, I went home and to go get a change of clothes for myself and for Tracy and, and try to make arrangements for the kids because we didn't know what was happening. While I was on the streets going back to battleground from Coleman, uh, the doctor came in and, and it's the first time the word leukemia was used. And he said, we did your blood work and stuff came back not good. And, and we believe it could be leukemia. Now, Tracy received that news while she was by herself. But, you know, God, God still had people in place. The moment the doctor walked out of the room, one of her coworkers and friends walked into the room, Miss Amanda Yearwood. And Tracy was obviously very upset over the news. And, and Amanda began to pray with her and encourage her. She's bringing a basket of goodies from the school that she works at just to say, hey, we're thinking of you. We had no idea how serious this thing was going to be. And, and thankfully that there was somebody there at that right moment before I could get back to the hospital. A few hours later, she's loaded into the back of an ambulance. And I'm following this ambulance down I-65 to UAB. And I just want to say in that moment, I didn't need ordinary faith. I, I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. But in that moment, I didn't need the kind of faith that everything is good when it's good. And then when things get bad, it crumbles. 
I needed some of that even though faith. You know, it's even though I will kind of faith. I mean, you see this faith all throughout scriptures. You look in the Old Testament and you see Daniel. See, you see people all the time put in the circumstances you would think in that moment their faith would decrease. Their faith would, 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 would just uh, cease to, to be. Daniel's put into the lion's den. That would be a moment for me where my faith would be like, uh-uh. God, what are you doing? I've been faithful to you. I pray three times a day. I've been loyal. I, I purposed in my heart not to eat the king's meat. And now I'm in a lion's den? Really? But you see, he says, hey, um, I believe God can close the mouth of a lion. And so even if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise him. And even though kind of faith, you see people like Paul and Silas in the New Testament I mean, all they're doing is going around telling people about Jesus. And what is their reward? They get beaten and put into prison. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm on a mission trip and all of a sudden I'm getting in prison for my faith because I'm trying to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ, I think my faith might be a little hurt in that moment. But it says in the scriptures, it says about midnight. It says that Paul and Silas began to sing praises and hymns to God. They had that even though kind of faith. You see somebody like Noah, who was given the great task of building an ark. And what did he say? He says, God, even though I've never seen the rain, <laughs> even though I will obey you. I will worship you. You see someone like the, the prophet Habakkuk that says, even though wars break out, and even though there's no grain in the harvest, there's no grape on the vine, there's no sheep in the pen, there's no cattle in the stalls, he says, I will rejoice in God. So I needed some of that even though kind of faith. You know what I'm saying? God, I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know what's about to go down. But God, even though I will praise you, I will worship you. Tracy needed some of that even though kind of faith. And so today what I want to challenge us with is by going to one of the most popular passages of Scripture. You've probably seen this on coffee mugs. You've probably seen this on paintings. You've probably, your grandma probably has a doily with this sewed onto it. All right, you've, you've seen this place, it's Psalm 23. But what, what I want to do is I, I want to invite a special guest on stage to help me, write, uh, help me read this, this psalm. And so um, would you invite and, and welcome my wife, Tracy, on stage. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. 
of the Lord forever. Amen. She says, I have that memorized, but I might need my Bible because I might be crying. I was like, you bring it with you, girl. Uh, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for you, church. I'm thankful for God's goodness and faithfulness during our journey. But there has been moments in our life, and, and, and here recently, listen, I know everybody's gone through something. And so today I just want to kind of share from my heart, if you'll let me, kind of a little bit of our journey and a little bit of how God has used you and, and, and God has taught me some things through this time. Right here in Scripture, in verse 4, you have, Yea, though, that's an even though. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There are people here today that are going through a literal valley of death. You're grieving the loss of a very special loved one. You're, 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 maybe, maybe it's happened recently or maybe it's happened a few years ago. I understand. That's, that's a weighty thing to try to deal with. I, my, my granddaddy passed away over nine years ago. I still have his phone number, phone number programmed in my phone. I, I can't bring myself to delete it. I, I understand the weight. So maybe you're going through a literal death but maybe you're going through the death of a relationship. You know, maybe you've been together and you thought this was the one. You said your vows and, and, and you said, you know, I, I, sickness and health and all of this. And you thought that you both meant it. And now they're wanting a divorce. And all of a sudden you're like, man, my marriage is dying. Maybe you're dealing with the death of a business. You put everything you owned into this, this venture. And all of a sudden COVID hit and, and it was unpredicted. And it took away everything. You have, you have no future. You, you, everything you had is gone. Maybe it's the death of a business. And there's a lot of death that can enter into our life, isn't there? And so I think we can identify with David when David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's real danger in that valley and then he says, I will. I will fear no evil, even though I will. I, I, I just had a question. How do you say, even though I'm walking through something that's trying to take me out, I'm not going to be afraid? How do you do that? How do you, how do you have that kind of resilience and faith in the middle of your trials and, and, and tribulations? And then the answer is right there. The secret sauce is right here. He says, for thou art with me. So for anyone in this room that feels like you're going through some stuff right now, there's some good news for you. There's some really good news for you. There's some good news for me and my family during that time. The good news is not that God's going to help you. The good news is that God's going to be with you. That, that's my prayer for you is that you understand that in the middle of it all, because here's what we, here's what we mistake. We think the definition of peace is the absence of problems. We think the definition of peace is the absence of pain. That's not peace. The definition of peace is that even in the middle of your problems, God is with you. And so my prayer for you is not that, hey, you're going through such a hard time. I pray that God will remove your problems. My prayer is this. You're going through such a hard time. My prayer is that you realize God is with you. Your shepherd is in it with you. He's with you when you're making funeral arrangements. He's with you as you're, as you're standing at the graveside service. He's with you as you feel depressed and alone. He's with you as you sign the divorce papers. He's with you as you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't like anything you see. He's with you when your parents tell you they're getting a divorce. He's with you in all of your problems. Listen, he was sitting in the passenger seat as I was driving down I-65 chasing that ambulance to UAB. He was with me when the doctor came in and says, hey, we misdiagnosed her. It's not the easy chemo. It's the, it's the 
hard chemo. It's not the easy leukemia. It's the hard leukemia. He was with me on that Saturday after they diagnosed her when I had to sit in my living room with my two littles and tell them mama has cancer. Listen, he is with you. He's going to be with you in every single hardship and heartache. Your shepherd is with you. And it should change how you pray. It should be like, God, I'm in the storm. Help me. It should be, God, thank you. You're in the storm with me. God, I thank you that you're with me in the middle of all of this. And if it's not enough that he's with you, he continues and he says this. He says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He says, I have a staff to save you. I have a rod that will protect you. He's got a staff that will poke and prod. And listen, when Jesus calls you his sheep, it's not a compliment, by the way. He doesn't call you sheep because you're cute and cuddly and got a little button nose and you just want to speak. That's not why Jesus calls us sheep. You know why he calls us sheep? Because we're stupid. He, he, he calls us sheep. He says, your eyesight's terrible. You can't see good. He says, everything eats you. You are the chicken nugget of the animal kingdom. You, a squirrel could take down a sheep. He calls us sheep because we're vulnerable. You're dumb. Your, your wool gets caught in the briar sometimes and you can't get yourself loose so you just starve to death in the bushes. He says, you're, you're, you're just, you need some help. You're some nights you're in this pen and you think, man, this pen's pretty nice. I think I'm going to walk over here now. And you just disappear for a month. All right? You're vulnerable. You can't protect yourself. And, and, and everything wants to eat you. That's why scripture says Jesus leaves the 99 to go to find the one because there's always that one. Right? There's always that one. I have, a, I have a short video uh, to give you an example of just how dumb sheep are. If y'all would just watch this real quick. Умничка, умничка, за обе ноги. Молодец, Света. Умничка, умничка. Все, операция удалась. О, дурак! Зачем? Мы часто мучаемся с тобой. Реально, по-моему. Реально, по-моему. Реально, You know, that's, that's how he does. You're, you're in a good pen, you got good food, you got a good shepherd, you got safety, you got security, you got night watch, and you're like, I think I'm going to walk over here for a little bit. And you just leave and disappear and you get yourself in trouble time and time again. He doesn't call us sheep because we're cute, he calls us sheep because we need leading, we need guiding. And this is how stupid I am. In Psalm 23, he says in verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm, I'm so helpless, I'm so dumb that I don't even know when it's time to rest. He has to make me lie down. He, he has to help me understand it's time to... Because here, here, here's the thing. I, left to myself, I'll work myself to death. Left to myself, I, I, I don't even know when it's time to relax. And he says, I will restore, I, I, I will lead you beside still waters. Anybody need leading? Anybody in here need some guidance in your life? Anybody? He says, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. And the reason he leads you to still waters 
It's because sheep are dumb. All right, sheep, when they come to moving water, fast-moving water, one or two things will happen. Number one, they won't drink from it. Or number two, they'll attempt to drink from it, forgetting that they're basically a huge sponge. All right? And so they put their head down into this fast-moving water. It soaks them. They get pulled into the river. Now it's a floating chicken nugget going down the river, and, and they're having to cry out for the shepherd to come and save them with his staff to pull them to safety. And he says, I'm going to lead you to still waters. I'm, and he says, I will restore your soul. Anybody need anything restored in your life? Any, anybody need some refreshing in your life? He says, I'm going to restore you. I will refresh you. I think, wow, we just solved the world's problems, didn't we? In Psalm 23, we have just solved all the problems of the world. He says, I will make you lie down. I will lead you in your life. I will restore whatever you need uh, restored in your life. I will guide you however you need to be guided in your life. And even though you walk through some difficult circumstances, even though you go through some trials, he says, you don't have to fear because I'm going to be with you. I have a staff to guide you. I have a rod to protect you. But then the promises don't stop there. He says in verse 5, thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. So in other words, here's what he's saying. He says, you're not just going to be the person who has enough. You're going to be the person who has more than enough. Your cup is going to run over. And then he says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, this is lovely. I love this. He says, if it's okay with you, wherever you go, I'll go. When you wake up, I'll be there. When you go to sleep, I'll be there. Hey, 10 years from now, when you think everybody's abandoned you, guess what? I'm there. And, and, and if you don't mind, I'm going to bring some friends with me. I'm going to bring some goodness and mercy every day. Where you go, I'll go. I'll pursue you with goodness and mercy. And here's what I hope you understand in this room today and out there at Fairview. This is what I hope you understand. That everything that Jesus has promised, everything that describes Jesus, every attribute that's mentioned here is not just available for David, it's available for you. Everything. Everything that's described, every promise is, and here's, here's your response. You can respond in one or two ways. You can say, I don't need leading, I don't need guiding, I'll do it myself. Or I'll let somebody else lead me and guide me, but I don't need his help, I'm good. Or your response could be this. God, I need you desperately. Like in every trial, every circumstance, every moment, because I, I have doubts and I have confusions and I have things that don't make sense and I need some leading, I need some guiding. God, I need some rest. God, I need some refreshing and restoring in my life. And so you can, your option number two is this, that you can submit freely to his will and his purpose for your life and you can receive all the blessings and all the promises that he's willing to offer you. That is your option number two. I hope you pick option number two. But what I want to do for right now is I want to zero in on verse 5. So look at verse 5. Now, I stole this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I stole this from a man named Louis Giglio. He did a message on Psalm 23, and he used this table, and I was like, man, this is awesome. Verse 5, it says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Now, I'll be honest with you. If I wrote this, if I was to have wrote this all those years ago, I would be like this. I would say this, God, you have brought me through the valley and you destroyed all my enemies. Thank you, Lord. Like that, that sounds so much better, don't it? Or I would say, God, you brought me through the valley of the shadow of death and you prepared a table for me in your presence, oh God. I, I like that one too. 
I don't like it says, I bring you through the valley of shadow of death and I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I don't want to be around them jokers. Right? What is an enemy? An enemy is try, anything that's trying to take you out. Anything that's trying to bring you down. Anything that's trying to destroy you. He says, I'm going to prepare a table in the middle of all of your problems. Here, here's what I want to do. I, I, I got some helpers I want to invite on stage to help me move something over here to the center so y'all can see it better. Fair of you, I, I'm sorry if, 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 I, if I get out a camera shot or anything like that. My, my, my hope is I won't. But he says, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And, and I, I don't want to be anywhere near my enemies. I'm going to prepare a table before you. So for right now, here's the analogy. You in this room are my enemies. Hope you're not. Out there, fair of you, you're my enemy right now. I hope you're not. Could you grab me a couple chairs too? Oh, how about this service? Look at this. This is beautiful, ain't it? You like that? And so so this, this, is, this is what happens. He says, in the middle of all of your problems, in the middle of all of your trials, I'm about to break my phone, I'm going to put a table right there in the middle of it. I don't like this. I'm surrounded by, by my anxieties, my worries. I'm surrounded by things that are trying to bring me out of this place. He says, I'm going to prepare a table. I'm going to, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the middle of the chemo ward. I'm going to prepare a table for you in the middle of your family crisis. I, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the middle of your job loss. In the middle of all those things. He said, I'm going to prepare a table for you. Whatever you're fighting you're against, whatever, whatever you're going against right now, I'm putting a table in the middle of it. All those things that are trying to take you out, all those things that are, that are burdening you, all those things that are weighing heavy in your mind, he says, I'm not going to take those out. I'm going to put you in the middle of it, and we're going to eat. Now, now, now here's where we can get it twisted. We can start asking the question, well, what's on the table? Right? Like, if he's preparing, ta- what's on the table? Listen, it ain't important what's on the table. What matters is who's sitting at the table with you. <laughs> he says, so I'm preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies, and you don't have to worry about what's on the table. I'm, 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 I'm going to be sitting at the table with you. And, and, and so that, that, that's, that's an awesome promise. And, and let's, Here's the problem, though. When you are surrounded by your enemies, it's real easy for them to drag a chair up to your table. See, I, I, I like to go out to eat. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> I like to go out to eat. And, and sometimes me and Tracy, our, our lives are just crazy. and We're kind of ships passing in the night. And, and there's been a couple times where we'll just meet up for lunch just to have a quick time together, you know. And, 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 and there's, a, there's a place right off the road here called Graves, Graves Diner. And me, I like to go there sometimes. I love the people that own it. Uh, they have good food. I love just hanging out there. And so every now and then, Tracy will say, hey, let's just meet up at Graves and get something to eat. I ain't seen you all week. I said, okay, let's do that. And we'll be sitting there. And the thing is, everybody from Temple and West Point goes to Graves. <laughs> and, and I'm a very sociable person. I like to talk. And so me and Tracy will be sitting at the table together. And all of a sudden, somebody comes and sits down with us. 
And somebody else comes to sit down with us. Now we've got like a table of five or six people. And I'm just chatting and having a good time with everybody. And we get up and leave, and Tracy says, well, that was romantic. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Well, it was real easy for people to come to our table, wasn't it? Listen, as easy as it was for them, let me tell you, your enemy will slide up to your table real fast. He'll just come up and just sit down and say, so, uh, how's your mom? She's still psycho? Man, I don't know how you deal with that. She's crazy. By the way, that relationship you're in, hey, I noticed how she's looking at the, your, your best friend. I, honestly, I think she's more into your best friend than she is into you. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, your dad? Such a jerk. Man, you really, you should give him a piece of your mind. You know, that you, you, you really, he, you've been letting him run over you for a long time. It's time for you to stand up for yourself. You should say something. By the way, um, how's things with your wife? Good? Because uh, what I've been hearing, she's a uh, man, she's pretty snippy. And that lady at work, she's pretty. She talked to her. You see what the enemy does? The enemy will start planting thoughts in your mind. Let, let, me, let me just be transparent. This past couple months has been tough, hard. And I know we're blessed because we're, we're, we're really kind of on the kind of maybe the other side of a lot of this. And I'm, I'm praying that she will have full remission, full recovery, and everything will be great. And, and that's, that's obviously my heart, my prayer. But there was a moment. She was not just sick, but real sick. She had this gut infection that's, that's set up in her, in her colon, her intestines. The doctors gave three options. Option number one, it's going to rupture. Her body will have no way to fight off the infection and it will kill her. Option number two, we do a surgery. We have to take off part of the infected colon, give her a colostomy bag. Problem is she has no platelets, no white blood cells, no way to fight off infection, no way to to stop bleeding. It it will probably kill her. Option number three, we give her antibiotics uh, uh, antibiotics, and just see what happens over the next couple weeks. That was her options. And so I have a dining room table and, 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 and God has been so good to us up to this point I didn't have any reason to doubt him yet right I didn't have any reason to, to doubt his goodness and his faithfulness and him coming through I didn't have any any reason to doubt him yet and so I'm sitting at my dining room table and I'm praying and I'm reading I'm thinking about the goodness of God and, and let me tell you church I feel like I need to stand up every time I do this I, because I want to look at y'all. Because I want you to see my eyes. Y'all are amazing. You are so amazing, church. This community has been so amazing. Because every time people saw us, they wanted to try to help meet a need. And I don't know what to tell them. You need anything? No, nah, I'm good. Well, we're going to come clean your house. Okay. <laughs> you need anything? No, nah, man, God has been good. We're going to mow your grass. Okay. And, and constantly people would come up and just give me handshakes with, you know, $20 bills or whatever in it. And they're like, hey, we don't want you to worry about gas. We don't want you to worry about any kind of parking fees. We don't want you to worry about money. The last thing you need to worry about is your financial stresses. So we want to take care of you. And time and time and time again, people just reached out and were so generous and were helping us in such amazing ways. And I remember sitting at that table not long after Tracy was told all that bad news. And I'm thinking about God. I'm thinking, God, you've been good to us. You have been taking care of us. And God, financially, you have just blessed us. We're I don't have to worry about that. God, I'm so thankful for that. God, you've been so good to us during that moment. 
And then the enemy slid up to my table. And I I promise you, this is exactly what he said. He said, what if all that money is to help pay for a funeral? She's not coming home. You're going to have to bury her. And in that moment... In that moment, my praise went to depression. In that moment, my rejoicing went to confusion. It was like the blood left my face. I felt cold. I literally I felt cold just go over my body. I said, God, what happened? The enemy came up to my table. Now, now, now here's what I want to help us understand. There's four ways you can know if the enemy's at your table. And, and here's the four different things you'll know if the enemy's at your table. This is how you'll know. Number one, you heard that it's better at another table. See, that the Lord prepared you a table in the presence of your enemy. The enemy will say, hey, you know what? There's a better table over here. And there, there's more happiness over here. All those things you're looking for, they're actually going to be over here. You, you might want to leave this place and go over here. The enemy is going to, sh- he's not going to show himself with like a pitchfork and horns, by the way. A lot of times the enemy will show, you, show himself to you by, by, by looking exactly like the thing you think you need. In, in, in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come so that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, the enemy wants to do nothing but destroy you, and he's going to do that any way he can. And so he's going to come telling you little lies that, that makes you believe that it's better over there. He's going to try to convince you that there's more life, that there's more fun, there's more money, there's more enjoyment, there's more whatever you're looking for, as long as you leave this table and come over here. Uh, your husband, man, he doesn't give you any, any looks. He don't, he, don't, he don't talk to you hardly anymore, but that guy at work, he's really interested in how your day is going. This table over here might be better. Hey, hey, listen, it might be better for you to, you know, I know God has called you to this particular area of life, but, you know, you're not really making that much money. You'll make a whole lot more money if you switch tables and come over here. And so you hear the voice saying, it's better at another table. Another way is you hear a voice saying, you're not good enough. There's probably people within 50, 50 feet of me right now and out there at Fairview watching right now that you've been hearing this voice that you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not loved enough. You're not good enough. You, you have all these things. You're not thin enough. You'll never be sober. You'll never be clean. You'll never have uh, the opportunity to get married. You'll, you'll never be pretty enough. You'll never be rich enough. You'll never be wealthy enough. And you hear this voice at your table. How do I know that this voice is not true? Because in verse 10, verse 11 of chapter, John chapter 10, verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. In other words, translation, let me help you understand this. Jesus literally gave his life to sit at this table with you. This is the most expensive dinner reservation ever made in history. He literally laid down his life for his sheep to give the opportunity for you to sit in the middle of the presence of your enemies with him at your table. What does that tell you? That tells you you are loved and you are valuable And you do have worth. Jesus loves you. Number three, you hear, you're not going to make it. You're not going to get through this. You'll never be the same. Everybody's going to look at you differently after this. This is the end. There's probably people in this room, maybe even out there, fair view, that are literally contemplating the idea that this is it. 
and you've been thinking about your options. You're not going to get through this. And you've been contemplating options. The enemy is at your table. Why do I know that? Because what does Psalm 23 says? He says, we go through the valley of the shadow of death. Listen, we don't come to the valley. We go through the valley. The enemy will make you believe that this is it. This is all it's going to be. You're at the end of your rope. There's not, it's not going to get better. This is all you're going to have. You might as well give up. But you've got to remind yourself, hey, I'm going through this valley. Here's the last thing. You'll hear something, something like this. Maybe everybody hates you. You don't have any real friends. They all hate you. Your parents hate you. Your teachers hate you. Everybody at your work, they hate you. Listen, here's the reality. There might be some people who do hate you. Okay? Let's just put it on front street. There might be some people who hate you. But not everybody hates you. It is very likely that there are some people who do not like you. That doesn't mean that everybody doesn't, doesn't like you. But the enemy will make you believe all these things. He wants you to put walls up. He wants you to distance yourself from people. He wants you to be isolated and alone. That is when he's vulnerable, or that's when you're vulnerable and he can attack. Because why does, what does 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 say? He says he is a lion seeking to devour. How does a lion hunt? A lion is an opportunist. He's going to look for the weak, the injured, and the isolated. And he's going to try to discourage you, to get you alone, to convince you that you're not going to make it. And so you pull away from people because you think everybody's against you. And then he can attack. So, <laughs> that's how you know if the enemy's at your table. So that enemy slid up to my table. You're not going to make it through this. Your wife is going to die. You're going to have to pay for her funeral. And I, that, that weighed on me heavy. Heavy. I drive up to UAB that day and I go see Tracy, sick. She has cords coming all over. She has a pick line in one arm, IV in the other line, arm. She's hooked up to a heart rate monitor. She's up, hooked up to O2 oxygen monitor. She's, she's got stuff all over. She's got an NG tube, which is basically a tube that goes down her th- nose, down her throat, all the way down into her stomach to pull up all the fluids and stuff from her stomach into a separate container. And, and she can't eat. She's, she looks lifeless and she's asleep it's lunchtime, so I decided I'm going to go down to the food court at UAB get me something to eat and I don't know if you've ever been to the UAB food court but there's a, a certain tables that are next to this wall of windows and I, I like to sit there because you're just cramped in this dark room all day so I sit next to this window and I get my food and I sit it down and begin to eat and uh Man, I'm, 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 I'm depressed. I got the moldy grubs, you know. I'm just like, wow. I get a phone call from an old pastor friend of mine named Gary Gibbons. He was the pastor that married me and Tracy. He calls me up. He says, brother, I've been wanting to tell you something for a while, but I haven't called yet. He says, but I can't take it no more. He says, what I'm about to tell you is not deep. It's not profound. But he says, I believe you need this right now. I said, okay. He said, all right, brother. He said, here's this. He said, you're going to hear a lot of voices in your life. Make sure it's God's voice. He said, that's all I got. And he hung up the phone. <laughs> he had no idea. Two hours ago, 
that old rascally enemy devil of, of, of mine came up to my table and began to whisper lies in my ear and began to convince me that this was hopeless and my wife was, this is the end and there's no hope and, and, and you're going down and, and this is the end and you're going to be a single father and you're going to have to raise your kids by yourself. And then <laughs> God sent a man to give me a word that, hey, listen to God's voice. That's all I got. Goodbye. <laughs> hey, Listen, God's voice there. Psalm 91 has been our, our house motto. Psalm 90, her, Tracy's mama read it, her daddy read it, her sisters read it. We all read it as a family. We would read it together with the kids. Psalm 91 was our, our, our go-to chapter during this time. And the first four verses speak about God being a refuge and a stronghold and hiding in the shadow of his presence. And, and it speaks about his, 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 his sheltering us, but also speaks of his intimacy with us. And then you get to verse 5, and he says, Therefore you don't have to fear the evil, uh, the terrors of night, nor the arrow by day. And I remember sitting at my kitchen table. Listen, that's a holy anointed kitchen table, let me tell you right now. <laughs> I'm sitting at my kitchen table and I'm reading that and I keep reading verse 5 over and over again. You don't have to fear the terror of night nor the arrow by day. You don't have to fear the terror of night nor the arrow by day. And I'm reading it and reading it and reading it. I said, God, what do you want me to know? What are you trying to tell me here? And he reminded me about when I was a little kid. Maybe some of y'all did this too. But when I was a little kid, my, my room was in the back of the house and I didn't have windows back there. Like my, my, my bedroom did not have a window. The hallway didn't have a window. Probably not safe, all right? <laughs> but that's how I grew up. And I remember I would have to turn the light off in the hallway and I would sprint down the hallway to my room because I was afraid of what might get me in the dark. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been afraid of the dark? So, so I would sprint down the hallway to get to the bedroom. And Lord, you don't ever let your foot dangle off the side of your bed because that, that woolly booger underneath is going to get you. And so, you know, he, said, he reminded me about the terror of night or those things you don't see. Things you can't understand. It's the what ifs. It's the things you don't see coming. That's the terror of night. He says the arrow by day are those things you do see coming. It's the diagnosis. It's the treatments. It's the bills. It's the chaos of just trying to make sure the kids are bringing their lunch boxes to school. <laughs> it's, it's all those things you do see coming. And this is what God reminded me. He says, Andrew, if you just hang close, if you just sit at the table with me, you don't have to worry about the things you don't know. You don't have to worry about the things you, don't, you do know. Just stay close. That was God's voice during that whole time with Tracy. Stay close. I've got this. I'm working. Stay close. Stay close. I've got this. And so when that enemy came up to my table and made me believe that somehow God had dropped the ball, I believed him for a second. And then I was reminded of God's voice who said, I've got this. I'm working. Hang close. Don't worry about it. I've got this. There might be some people in this room right now that you realize you've given the enemy a seat at your table. You've given fear a seat at your table. You've given worry a seat at your table. You've given anxiety a seat at your table. You have stress and depression sitting at your table. You have the worries of the past, the worries of the present, and the worries of the what might be sitting at your table currently right now. And listen, I'm not trying to minimize anything. I'm not trying to minimize the reality that cancer exists. I'm not trying to minimize that there's actually diagnosed depression and anxiety and all those. That stuff's real. I understand that. 
But I, I just want you to understand that in the middle of that, if we focus on him and not the stuff, we'll get through this. Here's what I've come to realize. If I'm sitting at the table and all I'm looking at is my problems, then I begin to look like my problems. If I'm staring at stress, then I look like stress. If I'm staring at anxiety, I look like anxiety. But if I stare at the shepherd, I begin to look like my shepherd. And there's people watching you, by the way, how you're handling your situations. And this is what I love about this. The more you keep your eyes on the shepherd in the middle of the presence of your enemies, as long as you keep watching him, keep your eyes focused on him, as long as you stare at him, you keep keep believing on him, you keep trusting him, people are going to take notice and say, why is he... Why is he like this? Like everything around him's crumbling. How does he have strong faith? How is she conquering this? Why is she still smiling? And this is the beautiful part. Is that through it all, God will give you all the victory. He will give you all the benefit. He will give you all the good. So in return, he can get all the glory. You get all the good so that he can get the glory. And so I wonder today if there's someone right now, right here in this place that needs a little bit of guiding and some leading. And maybe you need to realize that the shepherd is at your table and that, hey, you're not alone in this battle. You're not alone in this struggle. That the more you keep your eyes focused on him, the more you'll look like him, the more you'll model like him, the more you'll believe like him. And and, and, and the more people will see you and the more the people will recognize that you have something in your corner helping you. And then all of a sudden you come through the other side and you've got a testimony and a story like nothing else. And you begin to testify about the goodness of God. And so you get all the good and he gets all the glory. And man, people are going to take notice. So don't be frightened when you're sitting in the presence of your enemies. It's an opportunity for a praise time. It's an opportunity for some worship. It's an opportunity to get close. Because this is a picture of intimacy. He wants you to be close to him.